It's time to talk currencies, financial markets with Larry Shover, the chief investment officer at D. Alexander Capital. Larry, welcome. Good to have you with us. It's been a while. You've been missed. I wanted to uh, begin with the U.S. dollar, the strength we've seen. We were talking before the break about the implications thereof and how we could hear uh, mention of in terms of some of these CEOs and comments in these conference calls in the coming weeks here. Let's begin with what's behind the bid, in your opinion. Well, I think what's behind the bid is like what's lacking everywhere else. And that's like the same growth that we're having. I mean, the, the world is having the same complexity with regards to um, inflation versus spending and real wages dropping. But the fact of the matter is like our rate trajectory, at least going forward, is so much stronger than I would say uh, most of the world. And that's why we're seeing you know such strength in the dollar. I mean, Right now, Fed fund futures at the year end are pricing in around 346. That's double what they are today yeah. and 100 basis points higher than the high water mark in 2018. So I think that is the bulk of it. Now, okay, we're actually looking at the dollar index futures there. I just want to give me a second. I want to pull up the dollar sign DXY, okay? So this is the index because some of our viewers may, might not have access to the futures contract. It's a knife product. And uh, those of you who don't, just type in dollar sign DXY, and here you're going to get a look at the index. Again, the exact uh, tick for tick, basically, in terms of what you're talking about when we look at the futures. But, uh, Larry, when you talk about uh, what's not happening elsewhere, ultimately i mean let me just click forward here you're basically talking about this right the euro currency and the weakness we see there because again weakness in the other foreign currency leads to dollar strength yeah and um you know last week's a good example um the bank of england's been very aggressive at raising rates but given the, the recent resignation of boris, uh, boris johnson last week um it, it puts uh, doubt into the bank of england will they be aggressive what's going to happen in the whole transition process so yeah. And kind of, here we're looking at the currency. I mean, look at the, the toll it's taken. I mean, uh, that uncertainty, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's something I've been saying for months. It's like, you know, the dollar continues to have like really a lot of positive risk premium in it, which means if something goes wrong or something goes negative to the dollar, we'll see an enormous correction, um, at least in my mind. But so far, it continues to plod higher. Yeah. You know, I wanted to point out here uh, in terms of the currencies, Larry, talk to us because it's not just the dollar. I'm sorry. It's not just the British pound and the euro currency. I mean, the other one that really stands out for me is the Japanese yen. Yeah. And um, you know, so you have so many things going on there in Japan, um, especially the fact that they continue to be net sellers of foreign bonds. Right. And uh, the eight, I think the six week average is something like eight point eight billion. That's up two billion from where it was prior. Um, and, and, and they have just different issues there that just weighing on that currency. And it seems like there's no way out of it at this point. But um, that's usually the time that you buy, or at least they <laughs> throw in the towel. But um, it seems like they're, the issues they have and the net selling of uh, foreign currencies isn't helping the, the matter very much. You know, give me one second and I'll uh, get a chart ready for us in terms of the Japanese yen, because again, this has, Larry, been one of the trends we've been keeping a close eye on. Here it is, long in the tooth to say the least, right? But, you know, we oftentimes talk about the trend as your friend. And here, look, another new multi-year low print is the dollars to, I think it's like a 22-year high today against the Japanese yen. This is a trend that we talked about, again, uh, you know, long time ago and it's tough to get involved you think you've missed out on it and i think the bigger mistake rather than not participating in a trend 
that you feel like could end at any moment is to kind of get on the other side of it and think, oh, it's gone too far, too fast, or too long. And I mean, I, I'm going to pick a bottom here kind of thing. That's just like throwing darts, really. I mean, you're just at that point guessing, in my opinion. But, you know, we just looked at the yen. We've talked about the British pound, the euro currency, and how that brings about that dollar strength. I just want to pull up a couple other products and put them here side by side, because since we're talking about Asia and the Japanese yen, ultimately, here's the New Zealand dollar on the left and the Aussie dollar on the right. I mean, a situation, again, we had uh, the RBA recently raising rates, surprisingly uh, aggressive, but yet another currency that's come under pressure here in that basket of currencies and that kind of broader look at global currencies versus the U.S. dollar. Yeah, and you know, the Australian dollar is like my darling, meaning that uh, if you have any hopes of reflation in the market, if, if you're looking for a cheap way to get reflation uh, Exposure. My my view would be Australia. Right. Australian dollar, we're at sixty eight sixty or something like that. It's crazy, but you know they're so tied into um, China and the unknowns there. With mm -hmm. like, are they going to impose lockdowns? Um, the Bank of Australia has uh, been barely, basically on course, but you know their their economy has the same issues that ours does. But their currency has really got dumped on. So if you're looking for a hedge i would i would buy the australian dollar as a reflation um, exposure uh, trade i'm going to write that down that you said that and we're going to call keep you uh, call you out on that later and we'll see where things stand in a couple of weeks when we have you on again but larry as i look at this chart i'm starting to see kind of a a blend between a copper chart, which has opened up the door to the downside, we were just talking about that a minute ago, and a crude oil chart, which is kind of holding that lower extreme, but it still hasn't really uh, fallen into that elevator shaft yet, along the lines of what we've seen with copper. But again, the, the Aussie dollar on the weekly time frame, copper and crude, for the most part, kind of a reflection of some of those concerns that we're talking about COVID, Macau uh, closing, uh, and some of those numbers on the rise. Yeah, exactly. And also uh, just uh, the industry giant of China with in importation of iron ore, mm -hmm. <clears throat> coal, okay. you know, very important exports from Australia. And so with that in view, um, again, it it's a reflation exposure. It's not. I'm not saying we're going to have reflation, but if you think we're going to have a bounce back in the market, I think that's a cheap way to get that exposure versus buying a domestic equity index or something like that. Larry, let's dive a little bit into what this means for rates. We've seen that move in the treasuries to the downside, kind of slow some over the last week or so. Uh, yields kind of firming up some, but establishing a bit of a range here, it looks like. The TNX from 3.5%, we'll call it to the upside, 3.48, to be a little bit more exact, down to, well, it looks like around 2.6, 2.7. Yeah, I mean, there are, it seems like the whole yield curve is trading around 3%. That's right. the magnet right now. And I think we're in a holding pattern. We're digesting a fairly hot um, <clears throat> jobs number from Friday. Mm -hmm. That gives the FOMC ample leeway for a 75 basis point rate hike. And I don't think uh, a 100 basis point rate hike is out of the question. Wow. I don't think that's that's not my base case at all. But I think, you know, compared to last CPI number, last time the, the, the Fed was on radio silence. And this time they're not. So a lot of media is going to leak out and, you know, different opinions will leak out, et cetera. Um, but that said, we you know we have retail sales coming out on Friday. Mm -hmm. You know that, that's that's being priced on a nominal basis, so it's hard to compare it. But what's troubling to me is that we have a CPI we're expecting 1.1 percent uh, versus a 0.9 percent month-over-month rise in real in um, retail sales. It doesn't really bode well uh, to me. But right now, it seems like uh, you know that is taking a backseat to inflation.
Uh, we're looking here at the 30-year uh, yields in the top left corner recently up to, uh, well, 3.47. You got the 10-year yields. We were just talking about that. Again, that range, 2.6, 2.7 to 3.5-ish, we'll call it. And the impact that's had on the ES, it's been kind of taking its toll on uh, uh, price since the beginning of the year. It topped out around 4,800 and hovering around 3,873 right now. So holding off those lows from last uh, month. Uh, lastly, Larry, Bitcoin, you know, speaking of, we were kind of talking about uh, crude holding near the lower extreme of its range, the Aussie dollar hanging out on a longer term basis near the lower extreme of its range. We've got Bitcoin, which has been kind of comfortably attached to this 20,000 level, uh, well off where the bulls would like to see relative to the November last year highs. But uh, I still kind of keep thinking as it holds into these lower levels, the likelihood of it. Uh, exhibiting some further price decay seems a little bit, the chances seem a bit higher. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and, we, and we've seen that over the decades where um, something finds a new home, as it mm -hmm. were, and it becomes a lot more expensive to hold at that price. Mm -hmm. even Especially in, in a trend that's been, well, again, coming off that 69,000 level. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and so, you know, could it go back up? Sure. I mean, like it, it could, but it just seems like I've seen it this before where, you know, a, a commodity currency <clears throat> makes a significant move to the downside um, and this sits there yeah. and establishes a new new normal. And it becomes a lot more expensive to hold at that level. And I think that's why we're seeing such skittish price action, at least over the past four or five weeks. I'd have to agree. I like to think of it as kind of acceptance or rejection of the most recent kind of imbalance or vertical move. And here we've been seeing vertical moves to the downside off that 69,000 high and kind of accepting these lower levels here, zero rejection as of yet at this point, it seems. Larry, lastly, any products that we didn't cover, or any focal points that I didn't ask uh, about? No, you know, I think looking at the yield curve and, and we you keep hearing about inversion and is, yeah. is that recession. And just, it's still know, inverted, mind, right, as we head into this morning? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something to look at, but it's just a number. And I think the Fed actually right. looks at the three-month 10-year, and that's that's far away. That's 100 basis points from being inverted. Okay. And I think people like overemphasize like the two the two five or the five ten or ten thirty and it's nice to look at but they're numbers and it's not what the fed is actually looking at okay larry you've given us plenty to uh, get us started here this week and keep an eye on throughout the week in terms of financial markets and uh, we always appreciate you joining us here it's good to have you back on the show larry shover joining us the chief investment officer at d alexander capital